This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. So if you're a millennial or older, you know we were the last generation to grow up in a culture of having unstructured time planned outside. I don't know about you, but I look forward to it as a kid and a teenager, walking to the store to get some candy with a homie, hovering around my crush's house, getting on the swings at the park across the street. If you know, you know. And a lot of young people these days, well, they don't know. Tracy Akami Crowder is a community organizer, and she worked on the campaign to bring recess back to Chicago public schools. She thinks a lot about what it means to be a kid in the modern world. You don't want children to be completely boxed in. You want them to have some sense of freedom. You want them to kind of explore. Tracy is also a writer. She recently published her first middle grade novel, Montgomery and the Case of the Golden Key. The book is set in Chicago, circa 2008. It's a different time from now, but not so different. Obama is about to be elected president, and Washington Park is being considered to host the 2016 Summer Olympics. Even 15 years ago in 08, young people weren't moving as freely outside as I was in the 90s. But Tracy was intentional about making sure the title character, Montgomery, a.k.a. Monty, is an exception to that. He goes on an adventure to find some treasure. Monty is, as my mother used to say, something else. But to me, the story behind the book is why I wanted to talk to Tracy. In 2016, her son was starting to read on his own. And Tracy had a mission. What we're going to do is we're going to go out, we're going to find an adventure book about a black boy. They were looking for something fun. She wanted her son to be able to see himself in a book that wasn't just about the heaviness of being black in America. So she asked a bookseller at Barnes & Noble what they had available. She knew exactly what I was talking about, but she's like, you know what? You might have to write it. So in other words, she was coming up empty-handed. And so I thought to myself, oh, well, she doesn't know who she's talking to. Because I, <laughs> I actually do <laughs> some writing. Yeah. So I let it sit with me for a couple of weeks. And as it turns out, my son was in a tennis camp that summer at Excess Tennis. And so we were in the backyard playing on the walkway. And the ball rolled into a bush. And I went over to get it. And I thought, ooh, this would be a great beginning of a mystery. Mm -hmm. Like you go to find the ball, but then there's something else. And that's what prompted me to write the story. That's what uh, sort of framed what the story was going to be about. Yeah. The finding, finding things with the the metal detector. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Um, Your son right now is a teenager. Has he read the book? 
Okay, so <laughs> he has read a version with me. So I wrote the okay. book that summer mm-hmm. and kind of shopped it around a little. Uh, and then that Christmas, I decided to sort of print it out, make a little cover, and that we would read it together. So we did read it all the way back in 2016. I mean, it's taken many turns since that version, yeah. but he knows he knows the basics. He also knows that it's about him to some degree. Okay. And so the funny thing is that Montgomery was not the original name. It was originally Malachi because my son's name is Malik. Ah. But he was sort of shy and was like, well, I don't. No, I don't want it to be referring to me so much. So I kind of swapped the name out to, I don't know, as a compromise. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I had a book as a kid about George Washington Carver. And I wonder if Carver, if that's a nod to George Washington. The, the uh, Montgomery Carver is the name of the main character. So it's so funny. Halfway through the book. I realized, I'm like, wait a minute, this is George Washington Carver. This could be a descendant, but it wasn't an intention. Okay. Or it was not a conscious intention. Uh But I like, I was like, I'm going to keep it because I like where that could go. And it's, you know, he's using concoctions. His grandfather had a sweet potato farm. Like it's very much in that vein. Yeah. So uh, that's very exciting. Yeah. That, that is kind of a continuation. It's like, oh, okay, a possible descendant of George Washington Carver <laughs> here in Chicago. I love that. Using concoctions to do all kinds of things. Yes. And George Washington Carver was a discoverer also. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. He, I mean, he was amazing. Uh-huh. I want to get into a sample of Montgomery and the case of the Golden Key. And We have a passage here from chapter one. Uh, Tracy, can you set this up for us and then go ahead and and read that that passage? Sure, sure. So in chapter one is the first day of summer in 2008. Okay. And it's really hot uh, out, you know, it's muggy in Chicago summer. And Montgomery and his mother, or Monty and his mother, are playing tennis in the backyard but all these other things are happening and some pigeons are flying by. He thinks, you know, they're going to like poop on his new cool fro. Ugh. So let me uh, read the passage. Phew, Monty said, patting his fro, which was a perfect circle. No, really, a perfect circle. Yeah, you wouldn't want to mess up that superfly hair of yours, his mother teased with a smile. Was that really funny, he silently wondered. See, Monty had spent an hour that morning trimming his dark hair to maximum roundness, using his protractor for math class and his mother's nail scissors. But don't tell his mother that. And he'd spent about the same amount of time spraying his hair with a concoction that he'd created all by himself to make his hair sweat and waterproof. Monty had finalized his formula just yesterday. One teaspoon of his father's shea butter, something or other, a half teaspoon of olive oil, a small chunk of avocado, and a pinch of cinnamon all mixed together with a little water and a spray bottle that his mother bought at the Dollar Tree. 
This passage is so great. It just captures so much of that like makeshift formula situation that happens in so many different scenes and areas when you're a young person where you're just like, I don't know. I'm I see my daddy use this and my mom and then my my, my sister, you know, so we just that seems to be going that way. We just gonna put this together and make this work. Um yeah, and I, I think it's like so much of like personal hygiene too as a ten year old. Absolutely. He's 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 going there. He's trying. I mean, I, we mentioned his mother bought him some new deodorant. He's trying hard to kind of, you know, remember to put it on and all kinds oh. of things are going on. Yeah. Um, it's really like an opportunity for black boys to connect with the character who's discovering how to care for his body and which is difficult. I mean, I know I had trouble. You know, I was I remember seventh grade was so hellish for me because of hygiene. I was still adapting to having to use deodorant. You know what I mean? Um, and I think. I wonder if you wrote this kind of from the memory of your teen years or were you drawing from the young boys that you had in your life, your son and, and maybe others? Well, a little bit of both. OK, so. You know, when I wrote this, by the time I wrote this version of the story, my son was, you know, in middle school. And so he was he was going through all of that. Right. <laughs> of just like, OK, baby, remember, <laughs> or just, you know, like we got to We got to take care of this stuff. Um, but I like you, I also just struggled with. Wait, what? You're telling me to do what? I got to do this every, every day, day now? Right, <laughs> exactly. Well, what happens if I skip, you know? Yes. Yeah, so it is It is definitely, uh, that's a journey, yes. right? And, and a discovery in and of itself. That whole just like coming to terms with your body and just trying to figure out what to do. The view of Chicago that we have in this book is very much through a kid's eyes. I wanted to hear about the parts of the city that you were really aiming to highlight in that. Sure. So we live in Park Manor. My father and his family grew up in West Woodlawn. And we, you know, growing up, Washington Park was a big deal for us. Mm -hmm. My parents met there. You know, you write what you know. And I said, I think Washington Park, I think there's something there. Uh, this is an area within my area that people actually will recognize in a way. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot to it. And so I really wanted to focus on the South Side, but particularly that area between, you know, like 51st and 67th. I wanted to use the book as a way to really kind of elevate it and, and really highlight for people who may or may not uh, know much about it, uh, what was really going on there, yeah. or what really has happened there. Yeah. I want to get into some of the ways that Monty is able to get out and about um, as a young person. A lot of parents these days don't feel comfortable letting their children just roam outside on their own, go on these adventures as Monty um, is. They they monitor their children's whereabouts mm -hmm. with apps, you know, and things like that. 
And this can really hinder their freedom of movement. Yes. (laughs) Um, A lot of times, though, Monty has that freedom in this book. Talk about writing his character in that way in 2008, 15 years ago, when that was still not necessarily available for a lot of kids. Absolutely. So I will start out by saying that at the time that I was writing this, you know, Malik was about eight and we were not letting him out of the gate without us. Right. So we were we're we're one of those families Mm. of just kind of like, okay, there's a lot going on. Let's kind of figure out how how and where we're going to have fun, Uh, which, you know, that's something that kind of weighs heavily on you. Um, And also, I had been we had been working on the recess campaign, bringing recess back to Chicago public schools and. There was conversation about how, oh, well, it's dangerous for kids to be outside. Mm. Uh, Although we thought, well, honestly, being outside monitor at the school is probably one of the safest ways to do that. Um, Anyway, so these these issues were weighing on my mind when I was uh, writing the book. And so I, I thought, okay, this is an adventure. And in my mind, you know, I'm 56, so adventure is about someone going out and about. But mm-hmm. then I had to rethink and say, okay, but is that really, is that really what's happening in this area? It's, you know, and and the answer was, well, maybe not, or maybe mm-hmm. some kids and not others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. I first of all built that up in his in the in his mind of like. I got to get out of here, you know? So I I started out with that just being a goal for Monty. Mm -hmm. Um, When you think about the stories of young people in Chicago going downtown, for instance, Mm -hmm. in the warmer months. Yes. uh, New stories of violence, as an example. How does that factor into your thinking about young people interacting with public spaces? Right, right. Well... All I can say is this. I mean, when I was younger, I started taking the bus to school with my sister when I was six years old. Wow. Uh, Then there was a point where my brother and I were taking the bus. I was nine and he was eight. Way back when, you could do (laughs) that. Y'all can't see me, but my eyes are like. Yes, yes. (laughs) And it it wasn't uncommon. I mean, with different children going to school, we would go downtown at about 10 years old. We could go downtown or to Evergreen Plaza at the time. Um, so that's a freedom that I grew up with. Yes. And so it it really sort of pains me that, you know, for young people now, that they have to be so mindful, mm-hmm. uh, that they're so much to worry about and that you know this the sense of still being a child and that carefree sort of wonder innocence is really not there uh, the way it was when I was growing up yeah um you talked about bringing recess back to Chicago public schools yes and I wonder if you could just tell me more about that the the work that you've done to do that Well, so the organization I work for, Community Organizing and Family Issues, we do a leadership development training with parents, uh, primarily in schools. Mm -hmm. 
and work with them to address issues of importance to them and to have their voice heard in various uh, policy making decisions that impact them. So one of the big first campaigns that the group had when, when the group was still just citywide in Chicago uh, was addressing school to prison pipeline and looking at the fact that one school that was K through five had about 300 suspensions in one year. Oh my. And in the course of doing that work, in the course of having conversations about why there's so many suspensions, what they discovered, they had not known this before, was that their children were not, did not have recess. Nobody <laughs> knew that there was no recess because, of course, recess is part of school. How could that be possible, right? Yes. You just couldn't even imagine it. Yes. So a second campaign was developed, Recess for All, of figuring out how to bring it back, how to, you know, bring back a sense of, children being able to be children and mm -hmm. not being so cooped up. So it took us a good seven years to get it back in CPS. And then with other partners uh, on the statewide level, a couple of years ago, there's now a mandatory 30 minute recess for K through five. Wow. It really speaks to this, this notion of how do we allow our children to be children? Tracy Akami Crowder is the author of Montgomery and the Case of the Golden Key. Tracy, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Montgomery and the Case of the Golden Key is out now. You can go buy it for the young mystery lovers in your life. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Cleve and Natalie Moore for editing the show. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Haley Bloomquist was the engineer for this episode. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. If you love the show, please rate and review us. It helps more people find the show. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening to The Rundown. I'll talk to you later. <laughs>